it really is when you take, you know, a half hour or something to just sit with your own thoughts and put your phone away. Just think about what it is you want to make, what it is you want to improve on, what your next step should be. Because if you don't do that, you just kind of get lost in doing. Hundred um, percent. This is the best part of yeah. the podcast. Yeah. I think we should throw it at the beginning. <laughs> Good morning, podcast. Welcome to Pierre Lambert Show. You are on the best podcast on planet Earth for photographers, videographers, and creators in general. All right, today's episode is pure fire because I have with me Lizzie Pierce. Lizzie is not just a photographer, not just a videographer. She's a production company owner as well. And this is exactly why this episode is going to be great because we'll be talking about something we don't discuss too much, which are the ins and outs of working with clients. How do you structure your pricing? What does the discussion look like? How do you make them, you know, kind of see your vision and really execute the project the right way? And I think that just that part is 100% pure value for you listening. But we've got a bunch more. Obviously, we will also be talking about photography, videography trends lately, especially in terms of editing. We'll talk about how you can define your own style. Should you copy other photographers? Should you try to emulate their style in order to get better? I think that part is going to be specifically very interesting if you're a little bit lost in what you're trying to do. And last but not least, we'll just talk about how can you find new creative ideas when you're a little bit blocked. So, before we get started, for a little bit of context, go to Instagram or YouTube and type Lizzie Pierce, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-P-E-I-R-C-E. So it's a little bit tricky, it's pronounced Pierce, but it's written P-E-I-R-C-E. So here we go, check out her beautiful work and let's get started with the podcast, let's welcome Lizzie. All right, Lizzie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how I'm are you? I'm doing great, what about you? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a Monday morning. It's a beautiful day, at least where I am. Yeah, here too. Now, the quick question is, what time did you wake up? Oh, today? Um, hmm, I was kind of dozing after 6.30. Oh. So we're not doing the 5 a.m. right now <laughs> because uh, we had a late night. We were visiting um, our friends, Becky and Chris. So we drove to Buffalo for the day. So we didn't get back until a little oh, bit Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. I'm asking yeah. that because, guys, for you listening, just to give you some context, we already scheduled the podcast recording at 7 a.m. So on a Monday morning, <laughs> it's a little bit early. That's why <laughs> I wanted to give a little bit context um, to everyone. Lizzie, I think uh, I, I think some of you uh, listening uh, might already know about you, especially if they checked out Becky and Chris last time or if they've seen right. uh, YouTube recommendations because I think this sphere gets recommended a lot um, but I think there is yeah. something a little bit more interesting than just uh, the YouTube aspect and I want to dive a little bit can you tell us about your original story what's volume zero of your cartoon if you had one how did you get started so the long story and the short story of it is um, I went to um, Ryerson University I was in the RTA School of Media which is um, the best program in Canada for broadcasting. And um, from that point on, when I graduated, I started working for um, a video production company, but I was always freelancing while I was in school. I was always working on my own projects. But you know what you do when you finish school is you find a full time job. And didn't like that so much. And I thought, you know what, I always wanted to work for myself. That's what I'm going to do. Um, Chris was uh, working on his own business, business as well. But um, 
you know, he and I met in school. So we'd already been dating for a while and we'd worked together on quite a few things at that point. And we kind of thought, you know, there's no better time than now to start working together. So I left my full-time job, which was one of the scariest things I've ever had to do. Uh, but it felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so good, actually. Um, and then we started really focusing on know-how media and, um, you know, taking it from, which was Chris kind of, you know, running out and shooting whatever, to us being a legitimate production company. Um and from that point on, we started doing, you know, it, it was a mainly a focus on commercial, corporate uh, commercial mm -hmm. projects. And then there was a shift, you know, based on what Chris and I wanted to do, you know, in our lifestyle um, to a bit of travel based content. Um, and then at some point we started YouTube <laughs> and social yeah. media and uh, we had this specialty in in. Um, we had this recipe, I guess you could say, for viral content. And after we produced a few, you know, successful viral videos and campaigns, we thought, you know, why aren't we doing, why aren't we replicating this, um, you know, for ourselves and, you know, helping others and, you know, growing, you know, creating a platform that we both can use as a foundation to, you know, help yeah. other people and, you know, potentially also give ourselves more flexibility in our lifestyle and more opportunities to do the work we want to do. Um, and we had a friend um, who I'm sure everyone <laughs> knows who's listening to this, Peter McKinnon, who was very encouraging um, to Chris, uh, especially to start. And a few months after that, I think I've mentioned this in my year on YouTube video, I had um, a pretty rough fall that year. And then I started January kind of going, you know, why don't I just try yeah. this? Who cares? You know, and um, after recognizing there weren't a lot of females in the space, especially that was important to me to if you, if no one else was doing it, I was going to set an example, you know, even though that's <laughs> a scary place to be for a lot of people. Um, I think I covered most things. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, I yeah. want to bounce back on a few points you mentioned. Mm, so I'm going to go back to the beginning. What, when you said you were doing freelance at school, what kind of work did it look like? Well, because that was when I was just starting, it looked like anything that... Um, paid really and anything that had an anything that either offered some money or anything that um, was something I was interested in doing so if it was music related um, was if it was you know coming out in a live session and being um, a camera operator or um, assistant directing a, a music video or um, something that paid for example was I actually worked on a, a small show that aired on uh, CTV mm -hmm for um for about a year but it was very very low budget um so i did a lot of random things here and there again like some small corporate projects um and i was still i was still learning but something i feel really strongly about is finding opportunities to make some money while you're learning because everyone needs um someone at your uh your skill set yeah. level um, someone, you know, only has maybe a few hundred dollars, but needs something done. And then that's you, you've invested in, you know, some gear and you invest in some time into it. No, you're not the best, but that doesn't mean that you can't find an arrangement that, that works with someone where you both feel like you're, you're coming out with something. And as long as you're honest about your skill level and that kind of thing, then it works yeah. out. And so, uh, I did that, that allowed me to actually quit, So I worked at a restaurant for the first two years of university. My university um, uh, degree was four mm -hmm. years. 
and um, the last two years I freelanced and um, yeah. That's that's interesting because I, I feel like, um, I don't know, I'm going to ask you, were you picky in the jobs or would you just take anything that, that would pay basically? Um, in yeah. school, I took anything I thought I could Got do. Got it. <laughs> because at a certain point, I think you don't know what style of video you're going to be good at or um, I was still doing a lot of photography as well so I did a lot of headshots and mm -hmm. things like that um, for people's you know LinkedIn profiles and I actually did a few um, headshot kind of days where you could book out a 10 minute time slot which made it really inexpensive for people but then I got a full day rate yeah. you know things like that um, sorry I lost my train of thought but yeah I, I took pretty much any anything that um, gave me the, an opportunity to learn something and anything that offered some money, because I think it's important not to limit yourself. And I don't think you can be too picky when you're starting out. Um, and, you know, through that process, you figure out what you like and what you don't like and um, what you, what you're good at and what you're not. That's great. I'm asking that because I've heard uh, or I've had people ask me questions and, and they really want to go in a very, very specific direction without sometime having the, the experience, the basic experience And and I feel yeah. like not being picky and just being open to any opportunity, at least for a little bit at the beginning, can really help. Definitely. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, one of my main interests at the time, what I thought I was going to do in video was music videos. Interesting. Um, that's what Chris thought we were going to do too, and we did a lot of them. Really? <laughs> oh. um, because he and I have a music background as well, and we loved. Um, we love music and we still play together and, and that kind of thing. So that's what we thought we were going to do. Um, and we created opportunities that allowed us to practice that skill set. So we had a lot of friends in that industry. Like yeah. I said, if they, if we were interested in producing that kind of video, we would just kind of partner with them and, and work on them with something um, that wouldn't be paid at all. Um, so that it you can't always as long as you can um, kind of afford whatever lifestyle you're you're doing at that time if you can make it work with video um or you know work that restaurant job or whatever else you have um to learn whatever it is you want to learn um there isn't a, you know a perfect recipe in doing that i was like i said i was in school so i was lucky enough i had parents that were supporting me at the yeah. time but that's why when i left school i, I did find a full-time job but also that wasn't all i was doing i was still doing a lot of projects on the yeah. side Um, which my boss didn't love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think th I feel like um, yeah, the the full time job doesn't like. Uh, I mean, most full time jobs don't like it when we have side side gigs. Um, no. And no. you you mentioned a, a good point about uh, being in school and having that opportunity. Uh, I just want to remind: if you have the luxury of being in school, if anyone listening has that luxury, yeah. because it's a real luxury, and you yeah. realize after. Try absolutely yep. anything you want to do later now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. When I, I mean, everyone, a lot of people end up in school because it's the thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, for the program that I was in, um, I'm definitely an advocate for it because it was very practical. It, it is a, it, it is BA, mm -hmm. but you know, we had in class, we had a studio class. We were in a television studio. Oh, good. You know, we, if we had an audio class, we were in, you know, an audio studio, it was audio production. You know, we could, we did a live band recording. You know, we could mix a song. We did a lot of things like that, that I'd never done before. And so I tried everything. 
Um, and then what I found my niche in through school was, you know, sort of more a, a producing route. And those were the courses I kind of ended up in. And as far as video and photography, I taught, um, I taught myself all of that, even mm -hmm. editing. That was outside of school. That was just what I wanted to learn. Um, and I really didn't take any classes that taught me that. Um, but what school I think allows you to do is you can meet a network of people that have similar interests uh, and connections, uh, depending on the program that you're in. There are a lot of connections you can make through my program um, because of, you know, the status that it had in, in Toronto and in Canada. So that was an asset for me. And I was very lucky to have that. But, you know, with that said, do I think that's the only way you can be successful in this field? Absolutely not. It just depends, you know, who you are. Um and how hard you how hard you're going to work and how willing you are to network network with other yeah. people yeah yeah and not everyone has the chance either to to be able to go to school or not to go to school because it can also be a chance for yep. some not to go there because if your family everyone yeah. is pushing you to go and you don't have a choice uh, it becomes more like yep. a dread than anything else um that's yeah But if you do end up in a program that you realize you don't like and you kind of want to finish, it doesn't mean that you you can't still learn something else um, outside of that. You know, that's not the only thing you have to do, which I think a lot of people just kind of say, oh, you know, while they're in school, I'm a student and their whole identity is around that. But I think I think there's so much more that you can be doing no matter what, even if you do have a full time job. <laughs> Depends how much you want. It. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I didn't have that awareness when I was a student. <laughs> yeah. So it's even more important that everyone uh, uh, thinks about it. We all we use it as an excuse, yeah, exactly. right? Oh, I'm, I'm a student. I'm, I'm in my second year, and that's your whole identity. What are you gonna do? <laughs> that's all uh, you're it doing. Doesn't matter. I'm passing <laughs> yeah. my exam, and and we'll doesn't see. Matter. I'm just yeah. trying to pass. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, in a way, it's sad. The only thing I knew I wanted a job that gets me to travel. So all my internships were literally stuff that yeah. would get me to travel absolutely anywhere. Even I ended up in Nigeria. I was like, I don't care. I'll go anywhere. That's amazing. Don't keep me in France. <laughs> um, <laughs> See, that's the opposite. Everyone here is like, take me to France. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I imagine, but uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with France. I spent enough years. Um, Lizzie, what what that's part? Uh, I think. What part did you learn the most uh, during? Would you say it was during your study or when you went freelance, uh, when you quit your job? Like, it, if you had to pinpoint one exact section in your life so far that really where you feel you learned the most, when would that be? I don't know if I'm going to be able to give you the answer you want. I feel like I'm still learning things. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm always learning. It just changes. Yeah. Even even right now, I'm you know I still feel like I'm very much learning this whole YouTube space, and I'm learning how to balance my full time job with you know and improving and growing our yeah. business to you know something that's bigger than Chris and I, um, and taking on all these other projects with my own personal brand. Um, but back then, I learned a lot when I was starting because I was just throwing myself into all these different situations uh, while I was freelancing and. Um, When I was at my full-time job, I did learn a lot yeah. as well um, because I was, you know, put in an environment where I had projects that I could work on for larger companies than I probably would have had the opportunity to to work mm -hmm. with right away. Um, like uh, Canadian Tire, for example, um, Panasonic. So those were some of the ones that I, I got pretty much right away when I was working there. Um, and I learned... 
working for someone else, um, especially in corporate video production, you learn a lot, you know, even if it's not necessarily production knowledge, there's a lot of other things that go into play, like, you know, optics, um, you know, how to communicate with your client, educating your client. There's a lot about process that I learned um, and a lot of the niceties that go into it. And um, if that makes sense, other than just, you know, making, writing a script, making a yeah. video. And I feel that the part you just mentioned so, is yeah. one of the most under understood in the in our space. Uh, it's that client relationship, yeah. explaining to a client, and working with yeah. or like literally guiding them through a process or an idea. Yeah. I feel like this is the this is very difficult. And if you have never imagine you you just came out of nowhere and uh, and you just started like I'm a freelancer. Well. It's so yeah. difficult to acquire that. Oh, absolutely. You have no idea, um, you know, the bargaining power you have and you, you have, it's, it's running a business. It's not just making a, making a, a great video. Yeah. It's a lot of the, the reason a client will come back is because they like you and they trust the process that you're providing um, and the experience that you're providing. So we really try, like, for example, we try to take care of everything. So we don't operate as a post house. We don't operate as just a production house. If you're coming, you know, to work with us, then we want to be working with you from, you know, conceptualization all the way until, you know, we're, we're handing you the, the video and maybe even your marketing plan afterwards. Yeah. Um, because we don't want to make something that flops. We want it to have the impact that you want it to mm -hmm. have. Um, and if you... What a lot of people don't realize when they're starting is they listen so much to what their client wants yeah. that what they their client doesn't know what they want either. They really do want your advice because you know what it's going to look like in the end. So you kind of have to work together to, to make something that's going to be effective. Um, if you 100% listen to exactly what your client thinks that they need, it usually doesn't turn out <laughs> um, as they hoped. <laughs> you um yeah you kind of have to go back and forth a little bit but yeah a lot of the reason that Chris was grateful you know for me to come on was that I, I took on a lot of that client communication and so much of what you do I think in this business is educating um educating your client on the process and and how it works and um you know all the way from when you're setting that estimate to script writing to shot listing to Um, your production day and um, how that relates to a cost as well is really challenging for people. And, you know, how much do I charge for this? And how do I, how do I keep charging, you know, the same client, repeat business, different projects, it can be really confusing for people. So those are a lot of things that I learned at that full-time job. So I am grateful for that, but was it the most fun year and, you know, almost two years of my life probably yeah not. <laughs> i feel we grew a lot <laughs> but from those, i learned a lot uh, moments where it's not fun we learn we usually mm -hmm. i mean unless well I, i don't know unless you're living under a rock and and don't want to learn anything but i, I feel like the moments yeah. where it's actually tough and you maybe don't like it you always get something good out of it but you need a year or two to realize <laughs> and i think a lot of it comes down for to uh working someone working uh, for someone yeah. else Um, that isn't really made for everyone. Some people like, you know, having someone to <laughs> kind of tell them when they should do things, what to do and that kind of thing. But others have a lot of original ideas and that they want to try. And um, especially for me, when I was working at that job, he, uh, my boss at the time was just kind of, he had, 
an older mentality of of you know creative concepts and <laughs> how he wanted to to run his business and we I wanted to to try new things and try something different so now in what Chris and I are doing a lot of our um our knowledge of how you know the YouTube space works and how social media works bleeds in and you know our our more out there ideas in that realm blend into our uh production mm -hmm. work at know-how so that's really fun and we love the freedom in that for example that's awesome well thanks lizzie for yeah. for sharing a little bit on that i, I feel like it's um it's a point yeah, no we don't we don't speak enough about maybe the the business side sometimes mm -hmm. um especially i mean through the youtube space i don't know what you think but i think if you do business only videos um you you get on on a weird edge where it's like it might not be as um entertaining or interesting for people yeah. uh, then you get less view then you get you know like youtube has that fine balance yeah. at least uh, for me yeah definitely and that's the great part about youtube is you can really just do anything you want um but i also think it's important for people to know because chris and i come across come across this a lot with us is that you start doing one genre of videos, like say it's corporate videos, for example, and you're getting really good at them and you're like, okay, these are looking really good. And then at a certain point you get yeah. bored and you're kind of thinking, well, I don't know if I really like to do these anymore. And a lot of people think they have to stop doing one genre completely before they start a new one. And I don't think that's true. If you're good at corporate videos and you're getting corporate work, you know, and you have a, you have bills to pay, then keep doing the corporate videos, but find a way to figure out what you want to move into and find a way to get some examples if you don't have them already of that yes. work. Um, so whether that's just creating them in your free time um, or, you know, taking a few that weren't necessarily the full budget that you wanted, but going, you know, above and beyond to make them the quality that you want them to be. And then you have those great examples, then you'll get that kind of work. It'll take some time, but you'll, you'll hundred percent get there. So. Did you guys yeah. uh, want to move towards a uh, travel um deliberately or did it just happen because i if i think you mentioned uh you guys were trying to shift a little bit at one point uh was travel one of your target it was def it was very deliberate yeah chris and i really wanted to find a way to travel more um but we had you know certain financial goals we wanted to meet like everyone else um and yeah we were a little um not safe safe isn't the word but i guess we're very organized <laughs> and um, systematic in the way that we do things. And we thought, no, no, we can travel and we can find a way for this to make us money too. <laughs> so, um, so we did and working with tourism boards was the way to do that. But I think Chris first made a few videos that, you know, on his own, he did one to showcase Toronto yeah. because this is where we live. Um, and that was completely in his free time. And then we just, you know, spent some energy trying to market that and um, to, to push that forward online and it did. And then we did another one for, I think it was, it was either Ottawa or Montreal after that. I don't remember. Um, but again, these were just examples we were trying to create. Um, and he used those, he leveraged himself into getting, uh, I think it was kind of a, a pass when he went to Ireland that led him into certain activities and events mm -hmm. and things in certain locations. And then, you know, a little while after that, it's, it definitely wasn't like, oh, today we decided we were going to do travel videos and then tomorrow we were doing them. <laughs> it was a very long road into even getting that first yeah. paid one. Um, it was a lot easier to get some trips covered. And even now it, it 
can be a yeah. challenge, but that's why you kind of supplement other work along the way. It depends what your goals are. Yeah, I'm, I'm more um, in the travel you, space. You really want to travel. Um, and it, it is, like you say, it is challenging to get paid. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, I, I don't know, but the, the travel space is, is really, um, it, it's like everyone wants to travel. So you get a lot of competition yeah. and a lot of people are ready to do it for free. So suddenly yep. you're competing with free and usually the quality is not that bad yep. to be honest. So yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Well, I guess where we've found our sweet spot is we can both provide um, some kind of, you know, a, a push through our social media yeah. channels um, for, you know, whatever it is they want to showcase and we can provide deliverables. So whether that's a, a summary video of the trip or whether it's photos or, whatever it is. So we kind of sit in that sweet spot where we can offer both. Um, and that's why we find we get a lot of yeses now, as opposed to when we were just offering one or the other. Yeah. I went to a travel show and a uh, fun story. I discovered that there were still photographers with no social media presence that get work. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and I, yeah, how? Yeah, I know I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And, uh, and that's where, Um, it just reminded me how much just business it is and just relationship it is. Um, because yeah. I'm not saying their work is bad, but if you take this equivalent work and you have someone who on top of that has a social media following, there is no reason not to go with the social media following, except if you like that mm -hmm. person as a person or if you've done mm -hmm. business with that person. And, and it just mm -hmm. opened my eyes a little bit. I would say, oh, okay, you got to... It's not just about growing your, your social following uh, nowadays. It's just as it used to be in the old days. Also, it's a lot of relationship management. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's so much that goes into it that, you know, will separate you from the rest. So it's, it's not always, I think there is, like you said, a huge focus on the yeah. work. And, you know, good content will always rise above everything else um but people still don't forget if you're a bad person or if you were difficult to work with or whether you charge too much money or you know they they still remember that and that will make a difference yeah and and it um, stains it, the industry yeah. also i have so many yeah. i mean we we went on a work tour with my wife for the past year so we we got to work or discuss with a lot of places whether it was hotels or boards or, or simply uh, just activity provider or transport and they get a lot of mm -hmm. so many requests it's just ridiculous and on top of that uh, yeah. there are a lot they, they told us blatantly they're like yeah we work with three influencers two of them never delivered anything and yep. and we're like <laughs> makes us look real good <laughs> i'm like yeah i mean i'm, I'm a professional photographer so <laughs> does that make you feel better it's not i'm not an influencer yeah. i'm a professional photographer um yeah Yeah, that's exact. We say a similar thing, you know. We, yeah, we are, you know, technically influencers as well, but you can expect the same level of professionalism that we offer our clients because that's what we're doing a lot of the time too, and that would never change. Um, and so we just worked with Travel Alberta, for example, and she, um, I won't name her, but she really loved working with us, and we really loved working with her, and it was such a great relationship. And it's just so much easier when. You, you can give yourself that um, that experience and education and working with clients and working with people and really just be a good person. Yeah, you know, that's what it's it not comes that hard down to. to it, it really is what it comes down to. And you're all just trying to, you know, do the best you can do. And when you kind of step back and remember that, it becomes when you run into those problems 
with a project or at work, um, just kind of remember that and, and you'll, you'll usually find a way that everyone leaves happy. Very few. You will run into some people that are jerks, but very few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Lizzie, I'm going to pick up a question from um, from the audience. So, and the first one is going to be kind yeah. of fun uh, because I don't really know how to answer it right now. Um, <laughs> so you're going to help me out. So the question is from Rima on Instagram, and she or he is asking, what are the top current photography trends? Top current photography trends. Yeah, that is tough. Uh, it could be either editing say, or shooting style, I would say. Uh, hmm. A lot of people, well, what I'm noticing is, I mean, with Charlotte Littlewolf, for example, she's doing this kind of like fade thing in a lot of her photos. I don't really know how to describe it. And every time I try to talk about it with Chris, I never know really how to, <laughs> how to describe it to him. But she'll kind of blow out one edge of the frame and then the other edge she'll kind of dip to black in a way. Oh. So it creates this really cool like ombre effect for the photo, which I, I'm really enjoying. Um, hmm. Hyperlapses are really popular right now in video. I'm seeing a lot more which of them. Which one? And hyperlapses. Oh, hyperlapses. Yeah, they're really neat. Um, photography trends. I don't, I don't, a lot of people are just kind of doing their own thing. Like I follow so many different people. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so what I think uh, about a few 2014 for me was really the year where everything was vintage, uh, faded blacks, everything like all oh, the blacks, yeah. none of the blacks would be black, literally. It, it yeah. would be, it, and I at the time I was a wedding and portrait photographer for couples back in Paris, mm -hmm. and it would drive me a little bit crazy simply because I didn't like it too much. Um, just my personal preference, yeah. I just felt it was a bit too grungy sometimes. Um, yeah. But that was a huge trend, and all the wedding blogs, everything uh, was all yeah. about that. Um, so that that for me that was a huge trend. Yeah. Um, I feel like at least in the wedding industry, it's very easy to uh, just because it's yeah. in your face. Uh, if you talk about the overall photography space, I feel like uh, lately we've been shifting more towards uh, deeper contrast, but also a little bit more saturation than we had uh, for the past few years. Yeah, I would agree. And with that. I don't know what um, it's linked to because I feel like magazines have less and less impact in a way on the trends versus influencers now. Uh, at least yeah. through Instagram, and I know some of those influencers are just uh, just love colors. <laughs> so, yeah, I think like what I what I see on Instagram, for example, is I see so many people trying to be Sam Colder. Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah, and trying to do the whole teal and orange thing. Yes, um, and then and like really again, really copying his look so that's a little boring to see so often i mean that's what they think is they're seeing those photos and they know they perform well and they're just trying to make what they think looks good but um just make what you like you know um it's some of them are starting to look just like his work and it's just kind of boring um you really just have to try to make your your own stuff look different and you know whatever like chris and i for example i think our photography styles are different as much as we are shooting for yeah. each other Every photo you see that I take of him, well, most of them, or every photo you see that he takes of me, we've usually directed each other into what we want. Oh, really? Oh, that's um, fun. I want to hear about the, the process. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I'll have a, like a vision for a photo I want and it, it'll take a while because he kind of has to start thinking the way that I'm yeah. thinking and he, he likes to say that my photos are more artistic, but I don't know anything about that, but that's how he <laughs> describes yeah. them. Um, because I kind of lean more towards a, a minimalist kind of negative space look a lot of the time. Um, whereas he's really going for it. Like he loves, you know, his car photography and, um, more adventure looking things. So that's where we differ. Um, and we're, and that's just what we like. So I think a lot of people in terms of not paying attention to those trends. <laughs> so if I can ignore the question and come up with my own answer for something else, yes. um, just pay attention to what you like. Um, and don't try not to be too influenced by what you see other people doing as much as you can. And if that means not going on Instagram, then don't go on Instagram because it can be really hard being, you know, bombarded with so many of the same photo and you start to think that's what you're supposed to be doing. I know. The I think, uh, I don't know about you, the, the feature I use the less on Instagram is explore. Uh, for mm -hmm. the simple, every time I go there, I feel like I just wasted my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. look, everything looks the same. Oh, wow, every everything in yep. Explore is like repost accounts. So I'm like, I don't even yeah. discover new photographers most of the time, uh, unless yep. I, I dig through five reposts, um, yep. which can be fine sometimes. But I, I love what you, you just said about uh, you have to direct Chris or he has to direct you to get the shot. Um, yeah. Is that difficult or is that a smooth process? Uh, for... I find if it's if I'm trying to direct someone else into it, it is much harder okay. <laughs> because uh, Chris and I have gotten to the point that like we've worked with with each other for so long that I can say very few words or say some kind of strange sentence and describe it in a weird yeah. way. And he'll understand. I'll be like kind of negative spacey, you know, when this is here and this is over there. So, oh, yeah, yeah, got it. But so it, it takes less time for him as opposed to if I was working with someone else. But I, I can still be really particular about something I want and he can, and it can take a little bit longer. Um, and it's, it's hard because it's not always the style of photo that he's shooting or that I'm shooting. So it, it's, uh, but occasionally we'll like it because of that. Um, because he'll see something that I don't, or I see something that he doesn't. And he's like, oh, I didn't think about doing that. He's like, I like that a lot more. hundred um, percent. I've had that happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's pretty smooth with us. I mean, we have to work together all the time now. So, um, but I mean like any, anyone you're working with or in any couple, you definitely obviously have disagreements that it's not like that never happens. What? What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> unheard of. Wow. Breaking news guys. <laughs> honestly, it's a pretty seamless process a lot of the time. And it does take, it's not like he takes three photos and then he nails it a few, you know, it'll take a, and a while to get the one we want and, and stop and review them and change something or especially if we're trying to get something with movement in it I have to spin around about 30 times <laughs> try and get my hair moving or something or try to get the wind or something like that that's great the um, uh, yeah I, I can totally relate because when we were on the world tour we were, we were trying to create content for ourselves and for our travel blog, uh, blog well we had the vlog also um, on the other yeah. channel but I remember the there, there were a lot of like kind of struggles trying to work together um, just because it's like no do no go here yeah but you didn't explain you know like it's and that's what you say yeah. over time it gets 
there are so many misunderstandings, you know, and especially the further you go from yeah. each other for like some shots where it's like really far in the distance, <laughs> it just gets hilarious yeah. sometimes. Yeah, we have invested, well, Chris invested in walkie-talkies. Oh, great, great idea. So that's been very helpful, um, especially with a lot of our car shoots, the walkie-talkies are key. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. That's, that's a good yeah. tip. Um, walkie-talkies... I saw some friends do it not long ago. I was like, oh, that's an amazing idea. I should have thought of it earlier. <laughs> it is better than a phone sometimes. Yeah, especially in the nature, right? Yep. That's cool. Lizzie, I'm going to move on to another question, which is a little bit business. Someone sent it on um, on Instagram and asked, and it's one of the few business interesting questions i think i got uh so we're gonna we're gonna pick it up and it's from candid memoir photos and he or she is asking how do you decide on pricing and the number of final delivery photos for clients and it could be videos too that's a good question so in terms of in terms of the number of photos that's what i'll ask the client you know what do you need to what do you need to come out with how many photos are you hoping? How many final photos are you hoping for? Because we we don't deliver raw photos or, and when it comes down to video, we don't um, hand over raw video files either. So we own all of those. They're just purchasing the final video or the final photos. So when you can gauge how many they're hoping for, um, I mean, you should have a minimum rate kind of set out in your mind, but say they want 20 photos, then you know you're pricing out 20 photos. Um, in terms of how to price out a photo shoot, for example, like I would decide, you know, how long do you think it's going to take for you to take those 20 photos, depending on how many locations you have and that kind of thing. So charge your, um, what we would do is charge our like a half day or a full day shooting rate and editing time. And you should have an hourly rate um, or a daily rate for both. And then all you really need to do is plug those into an estimate later on. And that's how you get your, your number. Um, but you you have to decide what you're worth in, in that respect. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we do. And I think that's the way to get your most consistent pricing. Um, and actually, Chris and I have a video about this on how much to charge. And I have another one called running a six figure production company. I think that's what it's called, um, where we talk a little bit more about this. And I think we actually provide a budget template. Oh, that's great. Free budget template. Cool. Yeah, so... What we don't provide is the numbers to plug into it. So that's up to you because everyone's skill level is different. So I think your everyone's hourly rate would be different. Um, but with that respect, you know, if you know it takes you, um, I don't know, to say it's like three hours or something to completely edit, you know, a, a portrait or something at, you know, whatever level you're comfortable with, whatever speed you're at, um, then you know, oh, if you have 20 photos, then you're putting in about 60 hours. For example, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how you'll you'll decide what that final rate will look like, um, and definitely provide your clients with an estimate so that they can gauge, you know, how long they're spending. You know, put in a line item for your day rate, and then put in another line item for your editing time, and you know, delivery fees and and all that kind of stuff. So those documents we do want to provide you guys at some point. Chris and I are actually talking about developing an online course where we would make we would provide a lot of these documents and tell you guys how to use them and things like that but it's not out quite yet <laughs> we're still working on it um but yeah and then comparing your it's always important to to compare your uh 
your pricing to say you have you worked with the same client before and you did a show with them before and now they're asking you to work on something else make sure you're looking at both of those estimates that you're providing them to make sure that they also make sense among each other because that's what they're going to do is compare it to the last time <laughs> compare it to what you charged yeah that's before. true do, do you remember when yes. you what you started at mm, price wise i mean when i was first starting um when I was first starting, I didn't even know to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just doing, you know, whatever they had, whether, and I mean, hourly, if you're just starting out, isn't also really going yeah. to work. Um, it's usually, oh, $300 to do this entire project or 400 or 500. And then suddenly it starts going up. And um, yeah, as a production company, that's what we do is, is the hourly rates. Um, and when you feel like you're a professional, then that's, I think, what you should be doing. But if you're more comfortable doing flat rates starting off and just being really transparent in what that includes with them, then I think that's okay too. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like but, it's easier to uh, sell yeah. uh, with hourly at the end of the day because you can over budget a little bit your hours. And then in the negotiation process, yeah. you're like, okay, cool, we can give you two hours for free, um, which translates yeah. you don't have to talk about, oh, we'll give you a $50 discount. No, you're like, okay, we can provide you with two hour complimentary of editing or whatever part it is. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times what we're doing now is we only include, for example, one round of editing yeah. revisions and that's what we put in our, our estimates. I mean, 90% of the time, are there usually a few tweaks for the second round? Yes. And we do those, no problem. If there are a couple tweaks, that's no that's no problem. But it's really just to make them understand that you need to you need to really think about the edits that you're going forward with. So we're not doing this, you know, twenty times back and yeah, forth. Yeah, because that's the craziest um, really part. Really get them in that one. <laughs> That's the hardest part is to manage that. Um, and then usually by the the third round, we start letting them know, hey, you know, we do only include one round of revisions, which you might have seen and you might be ignoring. I'm not really sure. We did do that second round complimentary for you. But now we're going to have to go into our what we call contingency. So it's a small percentage that we kind of tack on to the end of the budget that we don't charge the client unless the scope of the project changes. And a lot of the time when the scope of the project that's changing is the edit revisions. So um we make sure that optically you know the the price for post-production for example equates to a certain hourly rate say it's like a hundred dollars yeah. an hour so then we can say you know as you can see in the editing rate you know it's about a hundred dollars an hour so we've left about five hundred dollars in the contingency um i think it's going to take about two hours to do these revisions so that's going to be another two hundred dollars and usually because you've explained it that way and they can see that in the estimate it's a lot easier to justify it than you just pulling a number out of thin air yeah, it's, um, it feels a bit scammy so when you yeah. <laughs> point a number. Yeah. It's like, wh yeah. what is that? Am I on the market in Southeast Asia? <laughs> yeah, and that's why so many people kind of look at what we do as, um, you know, we can just pull a number out of the air or it doesn't, we don't have hourly rates. It's not like a real yeah. business. <laughs> and so when we can all get on the same page, as, pro as professionals and come up with, you know, a clear way of, you know, sending estimates like a business, coming up with hourly rates like a business, um, then it makes it a lot easier for us to be taken seriously as an entire industry <laughs> and uh, and paid what we deserve um, a lot of the time. So uh, that's that's a great answer. Thank yeah. you, Lizzie. I think a lot of people are going to be. No problem. Uh, yeah, it's going to help a lot of people listening. Uh, we're going to pick up one last question that's around creativity, I would say more. And it's from Chris from Radio. Okay. 
So Chris is asking, how useful is it to compare your images to others? What's your take on that, Lizzie? I kind of sit in the middle of that. Um, there are some of my some of my other creative friends that think you shouldn't look at anything. And I think when you're learning and trying to improve, improve that can be hard because sometimes other people's work gives you ideas on how to improve yes. your own. Um, and occasionally when I'm editing a photo and I really like a style, I'll try and sometimes I'll try and actually get it as close to that as possible because I want to know if I can do it. I want to know if I know exactly how to repli replicate that style. And that's also learning. And that's a lot of what you do in school. Yes. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think when you're trying to put your name on it, and, and if you're not honest about it, then that's not okay. For example, I took a photo that was very similar to um, one of Sorella Moore's, and I put it up on my Instagram yeah. account. And I was very—I said right in the description, and I 100—I saw her photo, and I thought, you know, I love that. I want to try and do something similar, but with my own take on it, because I thought it was so cool. But I never tried to pretend like it was my own. Yeah, I, I think I remember um, that post. And I had, when I saw the photo, yeah. I was like, oh, someone got inspired. And then I read your caption. I'm like, oh, that's so cool how you're super open about it. And you literally say, I'm trying out uh, because I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's okay. And you should do that, especially when you're learning. Um, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. But as long as you're not um, pretending that it was all your <laughs> idea. <laughs> Then yeah, that's okay. <laughs> great. Um, I'm gonna add something. I feel like if, if you're if anyone's struggling with like oh, I don't want to copy or whatever, I think you should look at other people's work. Just also, especially if you're a pro, just to give yourself a little benchmark on where you stand. And if you're absolutely not objective and you're not a, you you you're way too much into your work and you think you're the best, maybe ask someone else to look uh, at different photos from different people. And just point out yeah. uh, maybe what can be improved or what what's the differences because I feel I, I I don't know about you Lizzie but I learned so much by trying to not copying like you said but just trying to get mm -hmm. as close as possible to what they do and once I know I'm there yeah. I'm like okay screw what you're doing I don't like it anyway I'm gonna do my own now yeah you know yeah exactly or there's a technique you learned because of that that you like and you can bring that forward into something else but it's still not going to be the same yeah. photo um so and i think i think that's cool and i think if you if you're only looking at your own work ever it's it's hard to improve as well because you you haven't seen something that you yeah like no one's more, pushing you that yeah. you, you now want to reach yeah no one's pushing you exactly so yeah, I'm, I'm with you That's on cool. that. Uh, especially, uh, I'm going to add one last thing. It's especially true with uh, editing. If you don't know about all your panels on Lightroom, a good tip is grab mm -hmm. your favorite like photographer's presets and then literally dissect everything that has been tweaked in those presets. And I remember I did that exactly. years and years ago or like, yeah, maybe not that long. That sounds like I'm 60 now. But uh, <laughs> uh, I remember doing that. And one day I discovered that I think, I couldn't remember who it was, but someone emulating a lot of film. Uh, they were tweaking a lot mm -hmm. the calibration panel, which is like hidden at the bottom of Lightroom. And I yeah. always felt that HSL and uh, calibration, when I started, were a little bit gray zones. And then... I, I mm -hmm. learned how to use those. I discovered also how huge the impact was on the photo and how easy it was to get a style mm -hmm. you want just with those. And mm -hmm. and to me, that was really eye-opening. So, uh, Yeah, presets are a great way yeah. to learn 
and to to get an eye into what someone else is doing and to creating a certain effect. 100%. Yeah, and I, I don't think you'll ever stop learning anyway. So <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's why people that's why people do charge for them. A lot of times, you know, people make jokes. They're like, "Well, why am I going to buy?" You know this preset someone just moved some sliders around i'm like because you can see the the effect it's having if you don't know how to yeah. do that um or if you want some speedy editing you know that too but <laughs> um if you're not there yet it's a great yeah. way to learn and that's why people are kind of offering their insights yeah i don't think i ever bought with just the intention of using i was always the intention of oh i, yeah. I want to check out what's happening you know uh yeah, and exactly. to thank that person <laughs> well i'm just gonna yeah. buy it <laughs> that's a great yeah, way exactly yeah some people some people do that i've had a, i had a message once or twice where someone said i don't even use lightroom but i bought your presets because i appreciate your youtube videos like, that's very generous you really didn't you could have just sent me a message that would have been fine. <laughs> but thanks i know one of our friends um they did their first live stream ever and they were like three 4k on on youtube now they just passed 100k so that was last year they were at 4k Whoa. And I remember they were at 4K and they were shocked. We met in Bangkok and they they come to us. It was the second time we were seeing each other or the first time. I can't remember. And they're like, yesterday we did the live stream. I'm like, oh, yeah, how did it go? They're yeah. like, someone gave us $100. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, that person's like, thank you so yeah. much for your videos. Here's for your travels because I know you're on super tight budget. Just keep it up. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> That's so was nice. like, yeah that happens sometimes Crazy. when you you put out stuff that people like uh, they feel like they want to give back yeah. there's some lovely people out that's there. awesome uh lizzie i'm not gonna take too much of your time because it's a monday morning we all yeah, want to no get get going <laughs> uh do you have a little recommendation for people in terms of creative exercises if you had to leave them with one thing they should like do if they're bored for example this week what would it be hmm i come up with my best ideas when I do something really passive or I give myself the opportunity to kind of close down my mind and relax. So a lot of people, you know, say, oh, go do this, go read this book. And I, I'm a huge fan of the self-help genre. So I definitely love reading those because they really inspire me. So that would be one. But I would say just give yourself some time um, to quiet down and just think about what you want to do. And usually a good idea or two comes from that. Um, and that's what I found recently. Um, so a few of my YouTube videos that I'm really excited about working on, like the 5am and that kind of thing, um, came when I gave myself some quiet time. Cause I think now everyone's just, you know, going, 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 wanting to do the next thing and the next thing. And that's great. But, you know, some studies have shown that if, you know, it's while you're doing laundry or driving that you come up with some really good ideas and you give yourself that opportunity to reflect and to, to, to grow. So I would say just be nice to yourself and ha do something a little passive and uh, reflect. And that's how you'll get that, those creative juices replenished. I cannot <laughs> agree more with what you just said, because I'm literally sitting in the space you're mentioning where it's, going yep. going going and i yep. finally allowed myself to sit down a little bit write down some stuff um yeah and funny enough it doesn't happen that often although people might think but when yep. it happens usually i write down 50 ideas and that gets me going for, yep. <laughs> for a while yeah yeah it's crazy and um i know so many people that say do this thing do this thing and it's hard because you want to always be creating with yep. what we're doing 
but it's it really is when you take you know a half hour or something to just sit with your own thoughts and put your phone away oh my gosh shocking put your phone away <laughs> and uh and yeah just just think about what it is you want to make what it is you want to improve on what your next step should be because if you don't do that you just kind of get lost in doing 100 percent. Um, this is the best part of yeah, the podcast yeah. i think we should throw it at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> just put it at the beginning it's just five minutes forget everything we'll make else. a teaser <laughs> teaser <Ta-da. laughs> Yeah, sounds good. Sounds That's good. That's great, uh, Lizzie. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on the on the on the face of internet? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is really fun. I'm so glad we got to do it. Um, you can find me on the internet on the interwebs at <laughs> at Lizzie Pierce on uh, Instagram and on YouTube and on Twitter. Um, and it's Lizzie with an I E and Pierce with an E I. <laughs> very confusing <laughs> yes yeah, so do you pronounce it pierce or yeah yeah okay. Pierce. i got confused yeah, a few times we're adding in i don't yeah. know i don't know how it got spelt ei instead of ie we have no idea <laughs> and it, it's uh been a problem for everyone someone a hundred years yeah. ago wrote down <laughs> the name wrong in the register i think they just spelt <laughs> it wrong that's what i think too <laughs> that happens a lot yeah so Yep, Lizzie I.E. Pierce (laughs) I. There we go. Everyone, go check out Lizzie. And thank you so much, Lizzie, for taking the time. Wow. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I've been super pumped about that episode. I just re-listened to it while editing it. And there is so, so much value. So I hope that has been helpful for you. Everyone, go check out Lizzie on Instagram, on YouTube. She's got great content. I believe we started the YouTube channel around the same time. So it's especially uh, interesting to... It kind of balances out what I create and what she creates. I think if you combine both channels, you get so, so much value. So please go check it out. And before I let you go, guys, I have a little request for you. Please, please, can you share the podcast? I'm trying to blow it up this year. So please um, screenshot it, share it in your Instagram story, share it with your friends, DM a friend, uh, just share the podcast. Yeah, I would love that. And if you can leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be amazing. And with that being said, I'm going to wish you an amazing day. Get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new. I'll talk to you, listen to you. No, talk to you in the next episode. Remember, guys, if you have questions, you can leave a voice message on the Anchor.fm app. See you guys. Bye-bye.